This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and this is the first proper podcast of 2009 so happy new year to you all listening in here hope you had a good year good cheer and obviously there's a big cheer going out last saturday at griffin park as we were up for the cup we're through the cup into the hat the next round as we beat oxford united they came down in their droves they weren't very loud they obviously didn't reckon they were going to win beating 1-0 and we're all good as we move forward i'm billy grant here and i'm sitting here in the plow very near to Griffin Park, it's in Northfields. Come out the station, turn left, go down. It's on our little pub run. We, we do a little pub guide every home match. And if you see it, we've got a little pub guide that says, come out the station, go down to the Glow, go down to the Plough, go to the Blow, go to the Nelson, go to the Griffin. And you can get really drunk on the way to the game. And we're just doing the first one here, the Plough. Wicked little pub. Used to come here years and years and years and years and years ago. All the time. It's just, like I said, it's been done up now. It's been sort of poshified, but it's still quite cool. They put us out the back, well, not the front, we're at the back, because it's a little bit quieter out here, but still, it's still vibing here. It's actually very busy for a Wednesday night. You should come down here, check it out. But anyway, so I'm Billy Grant here, and I'm having a good time. And I'm feeling really good, because we haven't lost in 2019. It's a very, very good sign. I'm sitting here with my chums in the, gl- the plough. I've got Ali Malali to the right of me. Ali, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Bill. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. You're smiling, because obviously the, the win on Saturday has made you very happy, isn't it? I loved the win on Saturday. Almost forgotten what it was like to win a football match. Um, uh, it wasn't the most decisive of wins, but a win is a win, and we're through to the next round, which is fantastic. We are through to the next round of the FA Cup, which we'll be talking about a little bit later, because there's all sorts of stuff to talk about the FA Cup. Even though the FA Cup was last weekend, we've got a few weeks till the next round, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But I've got a man who's um, he's only done one podcast so far, so he's probably a bit of a podcast virgin. However, he's verging on the ridiculous, really bad joke. Cham De Silva, how are you doing? Hi, Billy. Was oh, it De Silva? De Souza? De Silva, De Silva. I knew it was De Silva, but I was going to put De Souza in there just to throw everybody. Cham De Silva, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great, Billy. Uh, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Um, much better start to the New Year than I think a few of us would have thought a couple of weeks ago. Um, five games unbeaten, bit of confidence in the squad, and good to know, good to see. 
Good, good, good. Now listen, the Laney man here, you know, he's coming back here, aren't he? He's all over the place. I mean, he's, he's, he's jet-lagged, he's time-warped, he's all sorts of places, like, you know. He's just come back from another another adventure. I could call it a European adventure, even though it's not really European adventure, but they seem to manage to sneak themselves into the, 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 the European group for the European, you know, into the World Cup, don't they? So. Well, yeah, yeah, Israel in general. It's sort of Europe, isn't it? Well, Eurovision Song Contest winners as well, mate. Well, got... I mean, Australia's also in Europe if, if, if it goes that way, isn't it? It is. Depends if you do a headstand or not. Yeah, I think they are. Well, yeah, they speak English. What does that mean? That's what I'm saying. So put, put anyone in the Eurovision Song Contest and it's in Europe yes. as well. So, so Australia can go into our group in the World Cup as well. If they want. But m- most, most worrying out of all of those things that I am is sober. Um, I, it, it's, it's, it pains me to say that, and um, it's, it's, not, it's not like it, it happens very often on a podcast or at a football game, but try, I'm attempting to do Dry January, successful so far, almost two weeks in, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all right. So you might get some sense out of me tonight, but you probably won't. So you're sort of drinking a pint of Fuller's, oh, L'Oh, is it L'Oh? Lime and soda, mate. Fuller's Lime and Soda. Okay, it's a special, this new new one actually. I think they, they launched it at the the the, the, the Christmas bees up, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, that was good. That, that that I wasn't sober that night. That was a very very good night. So thanks everyone for coming along to that. Um, we'll we'll sort of um, seep out some of the content from that from Lloydie and Darren Powell, who were brilliant entertainment. I think you know. Darren Powell surprised a fair few people that night because he, I think he kind of went right. I'm not going to let Lloydie control matters I'm gonna tell the stories as well and he, he really did tell some corkers so um, yeah so if get your ear to the ground and when they come out I'm sure you'll enjoy it you will enjoy it indeed and it's also if you check out the pride of west dot London check out a radio show from love sport on Monday we do a radio show on love sport radio every Monday night nine o'clock but we've put the podcast up from that check it out we've got a little clip from the besotted Christmas social with Lloyd Awusu and Darren Powell it's on there as well and you hear it you just hear a little story about Brentford being the money bags if you're not checked that out but listen we've got loads to talk about today trust me um, it's going to be full of bumper it's going to be a bumper podcast I can feel you know we've obviously had a bit of FA Cup action so we need to talk FA Cup as well we might be talking about new stadium with about food and halloumi and plastic cups and recycling and all that kind of stuff because there's been a couple of meetings discussing about the catering at the new stadium we just thought we might talk about that um we're also going to talk Frenchers. This is the window is open now. And we've heard a little bit of news as what to may or may not be happening in and around Griffin Park over the next few weeks. So we're going to be talking transfers, transfers in, transfers out. B-teams played a few games. They played a game last week. They're playing a game next week as well. We might talk about the B-team as well. And also Stoke City. We need to talk about them. Saturday, we're back in the league. And unfortunately, Gary Rowett won't be leading Stoke to Griffin Park because he's been sacked. We'll be talking to Dave from Wizards of Drivel podcast, who's giving us a lowdown on Stoke and also on their new manager, Nathan Jones. But listen, all ado about nothing, as they say, after this little twang, we're going to talk FA Cup. Oxford on Saturday, looking forward to the next round. FA Cup action. Let's talk about it right now. So Saturday, FA Cup action. Oxford came down to Griffin Park. And it's a bit nerve-wracking, to be quite honest with you, because it's always gone horribly wrong with Brentford. First of all, what we do is we always put down a a weakened side as it is. Dean Smith, back in the past, has always said we need to have a bit of rotation going on because it's a very long season. And then we put out a weakened side, then we end up losing. And then the following week, we play the next team and then we end up losing again. So you sort of think, well, what's the point of putting out that weakened side? 
So we're a little bit nervous and there's been a little bit of talk on social media and people talking out saying we hope he doesn't put a, uh, a weak inside out and a lot of people actually... They, they spoke with their feet and they didn't turn up for the game because Brentford have put out so many weak insides and also just not performing. It's not been a day to celebrate. They thought, tell you something, I'll go and do something else. But to be fair, Thomas Frank, he put out probably one of the strongest sides that he could put out. You know, maybe if he put, started with Malpay, that would probably be as strong as he could have done. But he put a, a decent side out there. It was a little laborious, but we got a result. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but the celebration is the fact that we were in the hat and, you know, you were sitting down there sort of kind of really on, on tender hooks waiting for the ball to come out. And that is the moment that you really need. So, in principle, it doesn't really matter how you win in the cup. It's, it, it matters that the fact that you have won in the cup. And uh, that was the most important thing. But I'm going around the table here now because if you listen to the Love Sport radio show again on Monday, London, we talked about this, this game. We talked about the Oxford game. We had the fans from the show. So you can listen to all everything that they had to say on that. But going around the table though, what came out from that game after that any abiding thoughts of the, of, from that game or from the FA Cup after Saturday for you Ali I would say that if you were Oxford it must have been bad when it was you were holding us to nil-nil and then we send Malpe on and he must have thought oh god this is just not fair and that felt bad for Oxford I do worry how Tranmere must have felt 6-0 down to Spurs and Spurs sent on Harry Kane so it could always be worse I think I think we show how reliant we are on Malpe. I think that was the main thing. We didn't seem to be able to score without him. Although, having seen the highlights, I was really surprised how many good chances we actually had because they didn't look that good where we were. Um, but Malpe is the man and he. I think that game showed how, when he wasn't there, how important he is to us. And also, talking about people who didn't play that game, I think it also showed how important... Remain Sawyer's as to how we play and how important I think it is we try and hang on to those two players and, and obviously it's, it's important how these two players were but interesting as well is that is this also reflective of how other players maybe aren't playing though I think a lot a lot of people from what I can gather from social media were really disappointed in De Silva I, I wasn't I thought he showed real promise um, I think he, he wanted to carry the ball forward. He had one fact, he likes to have a shot from distance, whereas we do have a tendency to fanny around on the 18 yard line. Um, but I just think without Sawyers there, the, the midfield just doesn't seem to tick in the same way it should tick. And I don't know what's up with Ollie Watkins. A, he's not a centre forward. B, I don't think he's been fit for a long time. Um, but without Malpe, we don't look quite the team that we should be. Chairman, FA Cup, you know, we got the result, but what is your abiding thought from that weekend? I was just really pleased for Thomas Frank. A loss would have heaped more pressure on him. Uh, we've just seen the growing shoots of recovery over the last few games. The draws away at Bristol City and Birmingham. Should have won at Norwich, but the fact that he got a clean sheet, the fact that there weren't any catastrophic errors and we still managed to keep going after those saves by Eastman in the first half, got the penalty, tucked it away with with the plum more boy did and it's a good notch for the squad to have they've got five games unbeaten now they can go into the Stoke game with a bit more confidence that wasn't there a few weeks ago I mean it's all about I mean again it's all about confidence you saw the way that the team played on Saturday okay it was a bit it wasn't completely flowing but at the end of the day we got the result at the end of the day now I mean we've got to play Stoke we've got to talk that a little bit later how much 
How important was that result, do you think, in going forward to Saturday? I think it's really important. These, these players have gone from being one of the most high-flying teams in the league uh, not too long ago, when I was last year, to being one of the worst teams in the league back in November, December in terms of form. So confidence is a big thing. Getting that win, scraping through, especially when other championship sides like Sheffield United were knocked out as well to lower league sides, it does really give them some confidence and even some belief that wasn't there. As Ali said, Maupai is the key, key player. As soon as he came on, you can see that the other players, their, their, their skill level was increased. Barbe played an absolute pearl of a ball, uh, which he wasn't doing earlier. Other players like Ben, ben Rama, Canos, they were just slightly better with their, with their passing as well. So just to see Marpo come on is good. And now he's 16 goals. He'll be going into Stoke full of confidence and hopefully he'll, he'll add in a couple more to his tally as well. Blaney, big weekend. Do we, it doesn't sound big because it's Oxford. People are laughing at us, but it's actually quite a big weekend for us because they put us into the cup and you know we need a bit of a, we need a bus from somewhere. So we're in the cup and we're, uh, yet again, we're unbeaten. And, uh, and Malpo scored another goal. Your thoughts? I think my thoughts and the one thing that came out of the weekend for me, and not only in the Brentford tie, um, in a lot of the other ties, is um, you weaken your team at your peril. And I, I think that if we'd have, if we'd have weakened our team um, deliberately, I think we might have got uns- come unstuck. You know, we, we only just about stumbled past Oxford. You know, it took it took Morpay coming off the bench, and it took a bit of quality. And a re- you know, it's it it pro- arguably the one bit of quality of someone going past their man and taking someone on. And he, he skipped past two defenders, just about to pull the trigger, and he was taken down. So, you know, um, without that, we would have arguably looking at a replay. Uh, up and down the country, you saw Premiership teams weaken their team, weaken their sides, and they and they paid the price. And I think ultimately, that's the one thing that uh, um, we have to be very wary of going to Barnet. You know, I, I wrote an article today which is on Besotted about you know, no more cup upsets for Brentford, and that in, that means taking taking the Barnet game really really seriously, fielding the strongest possible team, not resting anyone. And going full tilt, like really, really be professional about this, um, like it was like it was a playoff final, and go out there and blitz them, and you know score four or five. Don't don't take your foot off the pedal because it's these games where um, where there's a possibility of you coming unstuck, and if you're if there's that threat and you can cope with that threat, then it bodes well for the league. You know we're not going down this season, so the cup. It's a really nice distraction for us. Um, you know, that's, that's not being, being, being flippant. There's every chance we could go down. Um, but I think we ought to use the um, cup as a way of getting um, confidence back in the team. And, um, you know, if we get past Barnet, we're one game away from the quarterfinals. And, and, we, and we, have to, we, we have to take that seriously. I'm going to ask a question. I mean, do you think, <laughs> do you think actually that fans too much? Because the thing is, right, we live in this media age now. So we're, we're bombarded with media from all sorts. Beforehand, there'll be a little bit of radio, TV and a bit of press. But now you've got it everywhere. You know, you've got it online, social media, the clubs telling you all this sorts of stuff and they bombard you with stuff. And before you knew it, you were using the same lies that the club's going to be using. So if you get the, the, the head coach, the manager saying, we need to rest players because of X, Y and Z, we need to do this because of X, Y and Z, the fans end up saying it as well because they kind of believe in it. Now, the thing is that if we kind of just remove ourselves two or three steps back and we think, mm, well, hold on a second, you know, I know you're telling us this, but is this actually kind of really true? If we come to this Barnet game, okay, give that as a prime example, they may turn around and say, oh, well, we need to give Ollie Watkins a rest. And we might, yeah, in principle, you, 
beforehand you would never have to give them a rest and also if it was a league match you probably wouldn't have rested them so why do you choose a cup game over a league match to rest the player say for example why don't you choose the league match to rest them and bring them back in for the cup game that's a really really good point and but i think there's a there's a magnitude of cup game where that should end the first round of the league cup you or the second round of the league cup you could argue that you know, you're so far away from Wembley at that stage, then there is, there's a reason for doing that. And I, I think, I don't, I'm not saying it's a right, but I could say there's an, a valid argument um, for resting players that are very, very early stages of the League Cup. Third round of the FA Cup is a little bit different. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a fortunate situation that we are in now where we come in at round three. We, all the way through our supporting lives, we've been first round... Um, entrance and you're at that stage you're a very long way away from Wembley and again as a, as a league club playing a non-league club I could argue that it was a point to rest some players in the first round third round no I, I, and and third round against a, in a winnable situation absolutely not um, you you feel your strongest team and you know we, we've seen there's always um, a second-tier club, or not always, quite often there's a second-tier club that gets to the very, very latter stages of a tournament. And they're the ones that get lucky in the draw and also take the, take the competition seriously. You get those, that combination, and we could, go, we could go long in this tournament. We could get to the later stages. If we can get past Barnet and we can get a, a, a winnable tie in the, in the fifth round, then you know, you're looking at the sixth round. And that's, that's a quarter. We're one game away from Wembley. Not for one second thinking we're going to win this cup, but let's 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 go as far as we can. And for me, um, I mean, I was I was going to talk about bringing in a couple of extra players, but the one thing I'm just thinking about it now is that um, looking at the games over the weekend, seeing you know the Newport games, um, it was quite exciting. And for me. You know, I, I put my hand up and I say to you, I didn't go to the game on Saturday, strictly for the reason because of uh, I took the kids the last few years. We played a weekend side, the vibe was really terrible, and so I decided to go non-league on Saturday. And I had a really good, had a really good laugh. You know, game was sold out, had beers with my mates, drank in front of the pitch, and that was a decision that I made. And you sort of think, you know, the joy of the cup is gone, and all these things that they say, you know. But then after watching the game and watching the Newport thing, you see, actually, no, it's not. You know, these teams like Newport. They had a, a great third round of the FA Cup. Teams like Oldham. Oldham brought 4,000 fans down to Fulham, right? And they beat them and they thought it was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, Oldham, I mean, I've never seen Oldham. When's the last time Oldham brought 4,000 fans anywhere, you know? So for them, you know, Oldham to bring 4,000 fans, that's a really, really kind of, that's a really big deal. You know, there's a lot of activity that's going on. And I was thinking, it's almost like you're, you're lower pitched in, in, in the cup. And you always think there's a giant killing, so that's really quite magical for you. How can clubs and you know make it special for us? Because for us, still, we're not the biggest club in the world. In the third round, it should be special for us. It's almost like for us, the fans, to you know to, to, to work out and pitch out to say, how can clubs actually make even the third round and the fourth round special for us? Because at the moment now, it's a little bit cross the eyes and dots the t's. But I would actually love to actually be excited and to be waiting for the third round so you just know you know is it the fact that the games are all over the place you know what I'm saying so you don't know when they are is it the fact that the draw isn't on a particular time is it the fact that when you play other teams you know they're going to play weakened sides they're not up for it because if everyone clubbed together and decided actually we're going to make this FA Cup 
proper and they made a, a statement everyone said we're going to make a statement say this is the cup for us it would make a massive difference like you know yeah spot on you know if there is a malaise nationally about the FA Cup or if it isn't what it was I think you know I think as a club Brentford football club to say look we're going to we are we, we don't care you know if 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 Man City aren't going to take it seriously, which they are, you know, it, it is it is for these the top clubs to show that they're going to field their strongest teams. And fair play to Man City, they, they they've shown their intent. If other clubs they want to play silly buggers, let them do it. But let's not just not follow the herd. Let let us take it really seriously and let us give it a blooming good go. You know, I don't I don't see why we can't get to the quarterfinals this year. You know, there might be there might be a Man United or an Arsenal that. Have, have um, you know other thoughts about that? If we get if we get them in round five, but if we if we got past Barnet and we say we got you know I don't know a another cha- a lower championship team or a, a League One team at home in, in in the next round after that, then you know you can see you can see the progress coming, and then then you're in the lap of the gods, you know. So you know, I'm I'm quite I'm excited by it, and, and and looking around the pub on Saturday, I know you went off to um, your non-league, you know, got your non-league fix, and you know, fair play for you doing that. But you know, I, I saw a really good turnout. There was there was it was a real almost a full house of of, of lads there on Saturday, and they and, and lasses, and they they all they all were up for it, and I you know. I know you're, they're people of a certain age, but I, you know, I, I thought you know maybe ten quid made a made a big difference. Listen, so I mean, ten quid is obviously <laughs> making a difference to people as to whether or not. I mean, the pricing is an issue as well because it was, you know. But we, we we could talk about that another time. But listen, looking forward on to the next round because uh, it's quite funny again. If you listen to Stock London and you listen to the radio show from Monday, you may not have heard it. We um we did the probably first ever time I've ever done this. Actually, done a live broadcast when there is an FA Cup draw and you are actually involved in the FA Cup draw and you realise kind of how sort of tantalising it is. And so we went through the whole draw and like I said to you, there was about five or six balls at the end there and our name hadn't still come out. We had your Man United's and your, I think Manchester City's probably and your, your Arsenal's and Crystal Palace, Tottenham. You know, we were inside there and it was, it was quite exciting. So you could hear, you know, our excitement and then our reaction when uh, the Barnet came out and especially as we'd been talking all the way through the show about Barnet especially as Aaron just kept on saying oh, wouldn't you love to get Barnet you know and we were like no we don't want Barnet you know what I'm saying and also Lou Lord Luke had said a message had tweeted on our or tweeted or a message on our WhatsApp group a bit earlier saying oh I want to go to Barnet and we go what do you want to go to Barnet before have you, have you ever been to Barnet you know I've been to Barnet quite a few times and it's it's not the ground that I want to be running to all due respect to Barnet listen you're, it's cool lovely fans and everything like that but you know your ground's in the middle of nowhere. There's nowhere to have a bit of a pre-match get-together, as we say. So, for me, it's not the one of the best away days in the world, and it's the closest ground to my house. But um, it's a bit of a shame, but it was, it was quite funny. So, the draw, as we can hear, we got Barnet away, fourth round of the FA Cup. Probably wasn't the draw that we would have wanted, but I think part of that is due to the fact that we're so used to, like, basically thinking, let's get a big team and get smashed. Let's just get, let's just get knocked out. Let's get a big, just big team, have a day out, let's get knocked out. So when it wasn't the big team that we can get knocked out, we got disappointed because actually we got a small team that we can actually probably quite beat, and we're not, we're not quite used to that. So we actually might get to the fifth round for the first time since, I don't know, is it probably the cheese boat to Charlton, was it? 
I think it's a cheese boat to Charlton was the last time we were thinking in the in the in the in the, in the fifth round. You know, uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, once I think we got Jimmy Hardy Ball. Was that the fifth round? Mm, yeah, well, yeah. maybe it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. But anyway, which is good. So we we got the barnet. But what was interesting, if you look around on social media as well, if you see the reaction of the Barnet players when they got the Brentford as well, you know what I'm saying? I mean, people sort of say to you, you must give respect to the Barnet. What are you calling the fake bees? When they are fake bees, to be honest, because we're the real bees, they're the fake bees. But let's move on from that, because it's being childish. Um, Barnet, their reaction, they filmed them in that Barnet Hive bar when the draw came up. And the reaction was, and Brentford silence Barnet players falling on the floor rolling over pulling their hair doing all sorts of nonsense they obviously weren't happy with Brentford so listen respect goes two ways Barnet and you paid no respect to Brentford so hopefully Thomas Frank will have a video screen in the dressing room on that Saturday or whatever it is showing that video of you rolling around on the floor and I hope they remember that Ali uh, this hasn't made you happy at all has it no quite frankly I'm all over social media and uh, to coin a phrase without being crude they're are rather getting on my tits, to be <laughs> frankly. Um, you know, you you get a draw like I mean, let's be honest. None of us were initially overwhelmed by the fact that we're looking at the draw. Who's left in it? Oh look, there's only Man United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, Barnet, and we got Barnet. And none of us were completely overwhelmed with that. I rather punched the air because I'm never here for fourth round weekend because I have a job. Oh, loyal. I always do. Never here. I'm very loyal. And I thought, okay, well. A, that's winnable, and B, if we do mess it up, I won't be there to see it. So I win, win both ways. But it's... And then you, you sort of like Gary Lineker makes some sort of like, sort of like quite disparaging comment as well. Oh, they were hoping for a giant killing and they got Brentford. It's sort of like... It was a complete lack of respect all round, really. And um, yeah, well, yes, I hope we smash them, frankly. Listen, Thomas Frank's been in this country for a couple of years now, and, and he and he he gets he, he gets English football over in Denmark the whole time. He knows how important the FA Cup is. I'm, I'm just wondering, Cham, do you think you know? I'm not being funny, but if I was the manager now, I'd be just I'd be I'd be saving up the articles. You know what I'm saying? I'd be saving them all up, the TV clips to clip all over the dressing room. Do you think that he realizes a how important this is, and b how he can actually kind of use this maybe to stoke up the players? Yeah, I think. One of the good things about Frank over this last week or so has been his admiration for the FA Cup. He's clearly stated that it's the oldest cup competition in the world. He spoke quite uh, well about it uh, in interviews before and after the game. He's got a fantastic opportunity now. Not many Brentford managers since Martin Allen have taken Brentford deep into the cup. And uh, Martin Allen's known for that, for those cup runs alongside the playoffs as well. So for Frank, in a very difficult first season where he's had at times probably a bit lucky to be here, for him to take us deep into the cup, maybe beat a Premier League team in the next round, of course, after getting through Barna, hopefully, um, that, would be a, that would be a good thing for him. And he should definitely focus on the cup. And if that means maybe resting a player or two in the league game before, I'm, I'm happy with that. As, as long as the performance on that uh, fourth round weekend is, is really good and we take a big crowd there, and I think everyone's up for it as well. Um, on the Oxford game, there seemed to be a bit of a... A downer within the fans. People weren't really up for it, and it wasn't really good atmosphere. Against Barnet, it'll be cracking atmosphere. Everyone's going to be going up there, really hoping, especially with the social media reaction as well, trying to put one on them. And if we do win, it's a big, big chance of a great game in the next round. 
I think it's going to be a cracker. Um, it's an away, it's an away game. That's for a start. I think um, the people that will go will be, there'll be a proper proper knees up. I think I think it'll be, I think it'll be a big a big day. Um, I'm not that bothered about Barnet Barnet players' reaction to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a lack of respect, but you know, yeah. If you're going to go out in the fourth round, you really want to go out to one of the big boys, and you know, we're we're, we're not that, and you know, they they probably know that they they did get. They didn't get lucky. They deserved. They did. They did deserve their win up at um, Sheffield United. But uh, they, 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 um, they know that it's difficult. Lightning doesn't often strike twice. So uh, I kind of I can understand why they were a little bit gutted. It was almost like winning the Euro Millions. Got all you got. You got all the numbers, but you realise you've got you know the wrong week. Um, you know it was. Almost, but not quite, you know. So we'll we'll do all right. We 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 will win. Um, there'll be best part of two thousand Brentford there. Um, we will find somewhere to have a beer. Um, I'll I will we'll, or will won't be one of the. But we'll see what happens with that one. Um, what's the date of it? It's, it's the thirty second of January. Is it in January or is it? The 32nd of January, though. Oh, OK. All right, it says 1st of February, is it? <laughs> uh, OK, yeah, nice. Brilliant. So I can mark my return to being able to drink alcohol. In, in I'll be the one that's been let out let out after 10 minutes. It's got, there's, a, there's, a sort of, there's a bit of, a, there's about four or five days uh, sort of kind of, uh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, in between that. But, you know, we, we, listen, you don't worry about that anyway. But listen. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. So listen, so FA Cup, you said to you, there's, there's a few other matches up there, but we need to concentrate on that one. But look, uh, we're in the we're in the, we're in the hat as we we were in the hat. It was very exciting. We we're going to Barnet, and uh, fingers crossed, we're going to take this seriously. Listen, we've got other things to talk about because we might be going to Barnet, and we may not have a few players that we know now. They might not even be in that team, or we may have a few extra players in that team. We got to talk transfers because the transfer window is now open. And there is all sorts of activity taking place. After this little twang, we're going to talk about the transfer market. The window's open. There's been a bit of activity. A few players you know, flying around here and there. I mean, I suppose the most obvious one for Brentford that we need to talk about, and like I said to you, we've been on the money on this one. If you listen to the Besotted podcast regularly, you know, back in the summer, we talked about the Nico Nanaris move to China. We actually did a whole podcast, I think an Eastern podcast, and we talked about Nico going East, and we wrote about it, we talked about it, and uh, we said, let's just see how it goes. And uh, here we go, because obviously what's happened is the Chinese season finishes, finished probably just around about, just after that, and then it, they, they shut down for a few months, and then they start up again in February. So if he was going to move, he's not going to be moving till February, and yes, now the word is out now, Nico Yanaris is moving to China. I think the same club as Moussa Dembele, I think it's right as well, because they've just uh, they bid £9 million for Moussa Dembele as well. Um, everyone's really confused about that one. They're thinking, what's going on there? But they must have offered him ridiculous amounts of money. He said, thank you very much, I'm going to go there. And uh, Nico, but what the reason why Nico is able to, because they've done some really stringent rules in Japan now, whereas, China. sorry, in China, Japan, in China, where they can only sign... Um, a particular amount of players per team I think it's either two or three it's four now per team international players per team they can sign them and they play them so uh, Nico uh, he's got a, ch- a Chinese grandmother 
if I remember rightly, as well. Um, I think potentially maybe his, his mum might be Chinese as well. I need to do my research on that one, but definitely his, uh, his grandmother. So what's happened is that they're using his roots and he's actually going to become naturalised. So he's going to go in as a homegrown player, which obviously this has got value to Brentford as well because like, they're going in and they don't have to use up their international. But they've got a player who played for Arsenal, played for the Bees, who are one of the best teams in England. You can see, you see the sales pattern that's been going on there as well, you know. And uh, yeah, which is good. So Nico is going over there and the rumours that have been uh, flying around social media at the moment is he's going for £7 million. Now, you know that. If that was the case, there'd be lots of... Listen, Nico's been an absolute servant for Brentford, you know, but for £7 million, I know a number of Bees fans will just put him on the plane and they'll be flying over there, you know. Um, first class, just taking him out and taking him to the, the seven-star hotel and say, thank you very much, £7 million. It's not £7 million. Um, but... It's nine and a half, actually. Yeah, it's not quite seven million pounds, but there's, there's, there's. I think from what I can, from my Chinese sources, and I spoke to um, Chinese Gary only a couple of days ago. The rumours that I've heard is that actually it's a pretty decent deal that's being done out there um, in China at the moment. Now, look, I said to you, is uh, he's still trying to sniff his way around? But we're not talking about five hundred thousand pound or anything like that. We're talking about Brentford getting a, a reasonably decent deal out of the Chinese from, from this one as well so listen Gary will keep us in tune when, when he knows a little bit more information on that but all we can say to you is that Nicky and Aris a great servant from Brentford he's done us really really well really really proud to be fair to the club they've picked him up for nothing at the time from you know from Arsenal whatever it was done he's played a number of games for us and now he's going over to China and uh, he's going to have a you know he's going to have a bit of a career out there Brentford are going to get you know a fair bit of wedge off the back of it as well everyone's going to be happy um, Ali, I know that you tipped your hat to Nico because you paid a lot of respect to him because you said, you know, in his time at Brentford, he's been a good servant. I think he's been fantastic so for us. I think he's one of those players that, not so much this season, I think the whole China thing's probably been on his mind a bit this season, but has generally, whenever called upon, has very rarely let the club down. I think he's a good utility player. He can play it right. He can play it full-back, although it's not as strong as position. He's not had his best games there. But I think he's always brought a a certain dynamism to the team I think he's presses really well he has a fantastic shot on him when he wants to and um, he's scored some goals that we've gone potty for hasn't he so um, uh, was it away to Derby I think the real pile driver last season was it away to Derby I can't remember but anyway it was one real pile driver I think he's been fantastic so he's very very rarely let us down and um, I, I, I'll be quite sorry to see him go actually and um, I wish him all the best all the best as well, and and, and and of course he's obviously he's going. He knows that he's going. What do you think would be a good price to get from Nico Yunaris? How old is he now? Twenty. Twenty-five. Is he? Is that all he is? Twenty-five. Blimey, I thought he was older than that. Uh, Twenty-five. And how many years on his contract? End of his contract? Two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, so I'm up with that. Um, probably three, four million, maybe. Don't know. Depends how China. I would say probably four or five million. Over here, a couple of million. Would it be? In, this, in, in today's inflated market, I don't think that's unreasonable. Okay, and uh, Cham, just a little uh, road of Nico. When Nico first turned up, I think we signed him from, from Arsenal Reserves for about 100 grand. We had a look at him, sent him out to Wickham. He came back, he didn't really impress. I think all of us as Brentford fans probably thought he's not going to make it. But he's made 150 appearances, scored some brilliant goals. Uh, my favourite one's probably Fulham away a couple of seasons ago. 
um, where he just where they were doing well. We were a bit shaky, and he scored a beautiful goal there. Uh, and he's always done well. He's always coming to the squad as a sub, as a left back, a right back, and all done his best. And you can only just thank him for his service, really. But for the, for Brentford to get what seems to be a huge inflated figure from what we played is a. That just shows the strength of our scouting and shows how good we are at, at setting players on now. Um, so, yeah, another feather in our cap, but no distant Nico, really good player, squad player as well, done really well with the younger players as well when they come in. So, all the best to him, really. And if you were the ball, what would you be happy with Nico? If he was being sold in, in England, I think a couple of million, but because it's China, it's four or five million at least. So uh, everyone presumes because it's China that it's just loads of money. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't necessarily presume that. Weber went for, was it two and a half, was it? And we only paid a million for him and he was, he was old. At the end of his contract and he was a bit older and he wasn't a prolific goal scorer. So I'm basing it on that. I'm, I think they probably pay a bit more. And he's naturalised as well. He could easily, in a few years' time, if, if China qualify for the World Cup, he'll be in the World Cup. He'll probably captain them. Um, did someone not mention him <laughs> captain in China um, in a podcast not, not, not a year ago? I think someone not so far away from me said that. Oh, it might have been me. Um, now, I mean, I'm going to echo that. Um, uh, Nico Yunaris has done um, a, an outstanding job for Brentford. He's, he, he's captained us. Um, he's, he's scored some pile drivers. Um, so, as soon as we moved him out from you know playing left back, where you know he didn't enjoy it and, and he wasn't getting a good reputation for himself there. Um, as soon as he came into the middle, where you know there was an opening at the time, you know he, he, he probably would never have got into the into the midfield because we you know we had we had you know we had Dougie and, and, and people like that there and you know and, and Diago Raga yeah exactly so we, you know we, we, we had we had the, you know these these the, we had it we had it covered there so um, but he's, he's always seized an opportunity once he's been given it and uh, you know you do wish him well and um, and I'm, I'm, what I'm going to say next I don't really mean there's any kind of disrespect to Nico Yunaris but I think it's an absolutely blinding deal for Brentford if we if we if we can if we can get rid of him is is a is it's quite a harsh term but I'll, I'll, I'll say that um, and the reason I think the, the prices are inflated um, to China is because they've got to be I mean why would anyone really want to go there um, you know in, at 25 years old you're not going to go there to to get your career to the, the very top if you know you you're going to do that in England you're going to do that. In, um, you're going to try and get to the Premiership, and you know that's that's the, that's the top of your, your possibly of your game, um, and you're going to do that. He's, he stands a better chance of getting to the Premiership with Brentford than than anyone else. He's not going to get to the Premiership in China, so it's it's all it's always got to be about money. Um, and then if Brentford, you know, if they want him because of his naturalisation and because he could represent his country, you know, it's a really good deal for them. Um, and he's got two and a half years on his contract, so it's got to make sense for Brentford. Brentford aren't going to sell him unless it's worth our while. They know that. So um, we are hopefully going to get something inflated. Um, so, yeah, good, good luck, Nico. And, you know, you've, done a, you've helped us do a brilliant bit of business. Um, in terms of, it sounds like the Antique Roadshow here, in terms of evaluation, um, you would want to get this, this player insured, I would say, for, um, well, if, it, if we were sent into another English club, I'd be happy with a million for him, if, I, if I'm honest with you. I don't think he's worth, I don't think he's worth more than a million pounds as a, as a footballer, but if, um, you know, if, if I'm going to sort of go higher or lower than the people that have guessed before me, I could probably go lower. Anything, anything more than three, I think, is an absolute 
absolute robbery, and uh, I'd, 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 I'd be, you know, definitely go. Not, not, not robbery. I think it's, a, it's, it, it, it's, it's a good deal for everybody. It's a good deal for obviously yeah. for the Chinese, for everybody. Is that one robbery that doesn't mean that? <laughs> I didn't say that in a Chinese accent either. Oh, that's right. But listen, I think Nico's wicked. I think, I think his attitude. And you need players with an attitude like he has. And he's just, you know, you know when he's on there, a lot of people go, oh, Sneaker and Aris. But he comes in, he's, you know, especially in that particular a year, year and a half ago, he had bundles of energy he used to come on. He used to be bouncing upwards and downs, running all over the place and just basically getting involved. And I just quite like the, the idea of these sort of non-name brand players, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Sometimes you get the name brand players who come in, they come with a bit of a reputation. They come, you know, Josh McEachern came with a bit of a reputation. He's a bit of a name brand, you come in. So you expect them to do particular things. When they don't, you get really disappointed and you get the non-name brand players who just come in and just say tell you something I'll do whatever you want and they'll do that and what was also good is that when Nico Renaris has bought him he was kind of like he wasn't really given uh, a go by the um, by the by the Warburton crew as well like I'm saying and you know like I said to you there was obviously different divides as to you know you were in and you were out and there was there was the kind of the Warburton team and there was the kind of I don't know, Smart Lords team or whatever it may be, and I'm saying, however he was recruited in, and maybe he just wasn't part of that little setup. So at that time, also, you felt that he was kind of not going to be part of the setup. But then, to be fair, when he went to Wickham, and a lot of people, and also, it's interesting because when he went to Wickham, he went to Wickham with Alfie Mawson and Sam Saunders. And Sam Saunders. Um, but Alfie, everyone was going on about Alfie Mawson. When it, and, I, and I remember speaking to um, a person who's quite senior at the, at the Football League. They said to you, now, what about you, Nico Yonaris? He went, mm, you know, he's all right, you know, not, not really, he's all right. And they weren't raving about him when he came back. So to be fair, the fact that he came back and actually stepped up a couple of levels is only fair play to him, like, you know what I'm saying? Because, because Wickham, Wickham fans weren't massively, or the ones that I spoke to anyway, weren't massively raving about him. So all I'll say is good, good luck to you, mate. You know, China's actually a wicked place. You're going to have a really good time out there, as you probably know. Um, you're obviously going to get paid loads of money, so you'll have an even better time as well. And, uh, you know, as to what value it's going to be, I mean, I can't really, I can't really say, because, you know, it's obviously it's going, to be, it's, going to be, it's going to be half decent to go out there. I don't think that he's, you know, as Laney says, if we got... If we got 1500 for him or two two million in the UK I think that's brilliant so if he's going out to China who knows but anyway talking about other players out there Malpe the big fear that Brentford fans has Neil Malpe was going to leave he's going to go he could still go he could be tempted away but Brentford have done the Brentford thing they just thought tell you something this ain't going to be like the FA Cup fourth round when we play Sunderland and we were going, yee-hee, and DJ Campbell scored a couple of goals. And then before you know it, Sunderland get here you go, here's 50p. Can we have him, please? We're, oh, yeah, thank you very much for the 50p. Not this time. Brentford have come, slapped a £20 million plus tag on Malpay's head. Now, the <laughs> question I've got to put around the table here is that, is this kind of like, are we just putting that to kind of sort of deter people? Are we actually kind of putting that to sort of, you know, to see who comes sniffing? Uh, I'd be interested to see what happens if somebody calls our bluff and if somebody does offer 20 million. I don't think they are. I don't think the club have any intention of selling him in this window. Um, I think the intention will be to sell him in the summer when he'll have scored 25, 30 goals and he'll be worth even more. I would be very, very surprised even if the valuation is met if he goes in this window and not in the summer. I think the club just want to protect their best asset, really. Uh, we also 
saw in the Oxford game that Morpai was the difference really between us and replay. So he's the he's improved immeasurably from last season. A lot of people last season were doubting his abilities. He's proven that beyond belief. It might be an argument to say he's our best ever championship striker in terms of what he does all round all round game, coming back to defend as well. So he's got energy, he's triggered Leeds, Birmingham. He's, he's, he's shown himself to be a bit of a character. So I think the club want to keep that for the rest of the season. Uh, try and get through the rest of the season, go along in the cup, try and get as far as we can. If someone wants to put 20 million down, I don't think we'll say no. I think we'll probably take it. But 20 million pounds for more pie would probably be re- reinvested in some two or three players that could make us even better. So it's a bit of a win-win, but at least the club has shown they're willing to stand firm, willing to protect their best asset and, and do the best for the, for the football club. It's a couple of things, and Laney, I'm going to come back to you here, but interesting, you, you said a couple of points there as well. Listen, Brentford, and we all know this game, we take the money, we, we buy players low, and then we reinvest the money, we buy them higher. Uh, the fear that I've had, and we've always had, is that at some stage that may go wrong. Um, we've had a couple of points where we, we haven't made necessarily the best investments, but overall, we've done okay. Um, Again, when Milton Pound Papers came last last season, you know, a lot of people laughed at us. We paid a million pounds, million and a half pounds for him, and laughed at us. They laughed at him. Mr. Goal at Oxford, everyone was laughing at him. Um, not, not everyone, but quite a few people. Uh, sorry, he, he missed a goal at Cardiff, open goal, and uh, put on social media. Um, Moose from uh, uh, Talksport, and but also a lot of people were laughing at him. Even though the fact is, like I said to you, he was, you know, he's creating chances the whole time. Wasn't putting them in the back of the nets. Eventually, you know, if you're half decent striker, you're going to get that right. Now, the question I'm asking now is that obviously you get to the stage where he's gone. We've we've made quite a few good moves. Your Andre Grace, your Hogan's, you know, your, your, even your Vibe. You know, he's 14, 16 goals. You know, what I'm saying now we've got Malpay. They've been proven right in lots of occasions. You know, probably out of like, if you take 100%, probably. 70%, 70, 75% of the players that we bought, you, you have to put it higher or lower, good or bad, you know, it's going to be good as, as opposed to bad. The question I'm going to say to you is that if, if somebody said to you, tell you something, we're going to flog him because we know we can actually do even better again, would you trust that? Well, you know, well we do trust that. And, you know, I think, the, I think the 20 million figure is as nearest as we're going to possibly could say to it he's absolutely not for sale you know he's not for sale unless it is a, a price that we'll, we just couldn't turn down and I would say 20 million for him is a price that we probably couldn't turn down and, uh, but you know we would at this stage we would be jeopardising our survival in the championship if, if that were to happen you know it, a fact you know it, it's his goals that are separating us from being in the bottom three at the moment um, and you know we, we know we know that we are way better than that. We we have been taking out. You know we we've been leaking goals at the back. Um, you know we've got a goalkeeper that's kind of you know not chucked them in his own net, but you know it, it's it's been it's, it's been glaringly obvious that you know uh, the defence up until the last four or five games um, has been leaky, and the goalkeeper's been a bit dodgy. So you know now now we're starting to to, to reset from the back going forward. More pay still head and shoulders the, the most dangerous player at the football club in terms of scoring goals um, we know we're light um, up front without him when he was suspended after the stamp at um, Aston Villa you know we, we, we struggled and that's really when things started to go a little bit wrong for us um, so you take him out the, take him out the team you, it is like jeopardy is introduced 
so we'd have to be very he'd have to go very soon and then we'd have to get two or three strikers in just in case it didn't work out you know they didn't come in and hit the ground running so but we but we don't buy you know we don't buy two or three strikers you know yeah. strikers are hard to come by and every time that we've done it we've kind of gone with one and and it's kind of worked out for us you yeah, know other than other than Hoffman but we won't talk about that yeah, no, look I know that but you know that, and that's why I'm, that's, that's why I'm, you know, we all know that the, if he is going to go well he will go the time for him to go is, is the end of the season and he, he goes with our blessing and um, he goes for a huge huge you know huge tag um, you know we have to we have, we have to remember as well that you know to play that number nine that lone number nine role is it, it takes a while to get used to it and he was he was lambasted last year and there was there was there were Brentford fans that were pretty out of order towards him to be honest with you saying he's just you know he, he wasn't fit to wear the shirt and, and this that, and the other and that's, that's that was that what even at the time it was bullshit you know it was it's clear that he, it's clear that he's got something special. Um, he just needed time to get used to the, you know, the, 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 the phases of play and the patterns of play and all that kind of stuff, and just like learn a bit about the English game. You know, now he's got that. He's got a real swagger. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's got a, he's got a real chip on his shoulder. And, and that, you know, that's 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 the way you, you need to be if you're going to be some of these like ballsy, ballsy strikers. You need to, you know, the world's against you, and you, you know, you're scrapping for every ball, and you, you know. You're, you're, you're battling with the, the your centre backs and you're giving the goalkeeper grief. You know you, all these little all these little percentages add up to the striker that he is, and and he can finish. So you know we'd miss him massively. So I'd I, you know I don't I obviously am worried, but he he won't go this window. So, so I mean, for Brentford, you know, and the questions you got to ask is that who is leaving. Who is coming? I mean, we don't know those scenarios. From again, my sources out there, um, said football agent sources that Brentford actually seem to be in there because I thought to myself, hmm, don't know if they're going to be signing this window because we're so low down. You know, 18th, 19th, we're not pushing for promotion, we're pushing for playoffs as such. We won't be. But from what I can gather, Brentford have actually got some feelers out and they're actually kind of put some feelers out for a few players out there, which is quite interesting. So I'm thinking going around the table, if we're going to be bringing a player in or bringing players in, what positions do you think that we're going to be actually going for, Ellie? Striker as a backup to Malpe, undoubtedly, if we possibly can, even if it's somebody on loan, and it probably would be somebody on loan, and a proper defensive midfielder. And by that, I mean somebody who can tackle, break up the play in midfield. Because at the moment... With the best will in the world, our defensive in inverted commas midfielder is not doing that. Sam, any any addition to that as well as to what you think we might be bringing in? Because like I said to you, the word is out on the street that we are we've got our feelers out there, we've got maybe a few offers out there. You know, we're looking to bring players in. It may not happen, but we're actually being active, so we're not being a dormant Brentford in this window. Anything else? I would I would happily take a winger, just someone to come on. 15, 20 minutes when it's 1-1 one, one, or we're chasing a game just to bring a bit of spark into, into our play. Um, Canos hasn't really had a great season, has he? Ben Rama's learning the, learning, the, learning the game, learning the language. He's had an injury or two. Uh, Watkins' form has completely tailed off. So I would... And there's, there's wingers out there who are often surplus to bigger clubs. Might be someone there that fits in our model. We can take, develop a little bit, make come on, score a couple of goals. Uh, and hopefully be a big player for us in the future. So I wouldn't say. Um, definitely striker. Uh, I, I, I think 
the, the, as, if we can find, if we can, if they, I'm sure they can find. I'm sure they have identified. But the near, as near as damn it as you can find to a like for like um, build um, experience as as Neil Morpay. Um, you know, he's not dissimilar in terms of height or, or build to, to Scotty Hogan either. Um, it's, it's that. It, it, that's what. That's what needs to be on the shopping list. And someone we can have. Someone who's happy to sit on the bench for the rest of the season, knowing that he's probably going to get his chance next year. Again, so that's only going to appeal to a certain kind of player. That, so that'll be a young player, not an experienced one. So I, I think it will be someone from abroad, someone, someone from the lower leagues, someone who can come off the bench um, and rest, protect Neil Morpay for the rest of the season with 15 minutes to go if he's if he's put a shift in or if he's on a booking more 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 to the point um so we, we're going to need we're going to need as many minutes out of more paper between now and the rest of the season um adjusting just in case results don't completely go up on the on the up you know on the up curve if, if things keep ticking over as they are where we're drawing and you know not losing quite so much I still we're still going to be you know we're still going to be looking over our shoulders for the next three four five months so um yeah so another another striker uh, I don't agree um about the winger um you know I, I think we've got to be realistic you know we're not gonna if, if we do do any business it won't be a lot um and we've got I think they'll show faith in um Watkins and Ben Rama and Canos um and I, I think we and we're obviously we've got old Ben A whether he goes back out well you know we've got old Ben A um to, to to try and bring on so I think I'd like to see more game time with him um and we've got De Silva um, um, and I know he's not a winger, but you know he's someone who's who's got an attacking attacking mind. So I think there's there's enough there's enough um, um, variations and enough enough sort of um, chess pieces there to, to keep to keep like a, a meddler happy for the rest of this season. I don't think we need any defenders. You know, I think if we if we're in an ideal world and you know we're, we're starting from a new squad, yeah, you wanna you wanna strengthen almost every department. You know, if we're going to go for the prem, but I think what's realistic this window is what we're talking about now, and I think probably a striker um, and um, may, maybe a goalie. And, and, and I'm just going to sort of hark you back a little bit. And if you if you check out, there's a podcast called Statsbomb, which is Ted Knudsen, who used to be um, part of the uh, well the, the the scouting team. Um, he's one of the parts stats. He's got this whole stats setup going on. And, and Matthew Benham brought him in, in particular that 2015 season when we were buying loads and loads and loads and loads of players. And Knudsen was part of that, and he scouted loads of different players. And if you listen to Statsbomb. From around about 25 minutes in, he talks about the players that Brentford were looking at, which didn't quite come to us, including La Marcuth, who's now at Schalke as well, um, playing Champions League football. He's, really, he's only scored one goal this season, but he's playing at the top league up in Germany. We talked about Seb Haller in the Bundesliga. Um, talk about how they tried to get John Terrell in on a reloan. Um, Fred Odiemia, I think his name is. He's at Millwall at the moment now. He's one that's not so much so, but we were looking at him as well. Um, talked about Makochko, and we bought him a couple of years ago. Um, and he he personally thinks that that was the time that we should have bought him. Two years later, he, his stats are slightly different to as when he was there when he was actually completely and utterly on fire. We, we still like him, but that was his um, opinion. That's the season that we bought Barbe, who he thought was actually still a, was a really good signing. We also bought Bielend as well. You know, Pascal Gross and um, was too expensive for us. And he also talked about Hoffman and a player that they got wrong because they didn't look at the signs. 
the flags out there that you know that he basically was hard to motivate and lazy and uh, and and stuff. So the people brought him anyway, and uh, we found out that he was hard to motivate and a bit lazy. So it didn't quite. Do. But but also there's another player who we did try to get this last summer um, because obviously remember we had Marcus Force, who was our third striker. And he came in against Blackburn. He got a little bit kind of pulled left and right, didn't play particularly well. And then he was on the bench against Forrest. Um, so I think after the Blackburn game, they probably thought we need to get a striker in. They actually tried to get a striker called Andreas Cornelius in in the summer, just before the window. Um, he ended up going to Bordeaux. I think the money didn't work out too particularly well, as in too expensive for us. So he went to Bordeaux, who are doing actually very well in the French um, First League. The top league up there as well Danish international he scored a couple of goals for Bordeaux so yeah so again we did try and get an, a striker in which is quite interesting um, in the summer so you know whether or not we're going to well, whether or not we'll be trying in the summer whether or not we're trying now like I said to you the, 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 we've got the feelers out from what we can gather but obviously if you're trying to get players in you've got to be releasing some players and from what we can get I mean, the first move is players going out on loan and think from what we can hear again from our sources out there. Like I said to you, I've got quite a few agents. My brother-in-law's an agent as well, so they're saying to me that Brentford are uh, there's a few loans. Could it potentially be, it might be happening out there? Who do you think might be going out on loan? On lo- well, Josh Clark if he doesn't get sold um, because he's not getting a look in at all. That's if we're still interested in keeping at the club. He might just get sold. Um, I can see. I can see Judgy going out on loan, actually, to be honest. Um, he probably wants more game time than he's getting. We probably want to put him in the shop window. Um, the only thing that me, for me means that might not happen is Thomas Frank seems to like to be able to bring him on. So, But I would say probably Judgy, if we don't sell Clark, Clark. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think as much as I love Alan Judge and I love that season we had where he was absolutely on fire and that awful injury at Ipswich I think his time at Brentford unfortunately has come to an end I don't really see the value of him staying around for another six months he cuts a frustrated figure that's coming on for 15 minutes on the wing and he's getting outstripped by everyone um, he's trying He's trying hard I'm not saying he's giving up but it looks, looks doesn't look great uh, for, for either party really so I would Rao Ogbeni is back. I would bring him back on um, for 15, 20 minutes instead of Judge. And I'll, I'll say to Alan Judge, you've been a great player, but let's try and... Same with Sam Saunders. Try and find you a little club that will take you on for the rest of your career, really. I think, yeah, Judge has got, still got a lot to give to the game, um, but he, he, he needs to reinvent himself. and I, He's not going to do that at Brentford. Um, you know, he, he's, he's the past, he's not the future, and that's just... just it's harsh, it's just the way it is. And... Uh, you know, we've said it a million times on air before. You know, we wish him all the best. He's another one that goes with, and we just like, always remember what what he's achieved with Brentford. And it's probably, you know, I think it's great. It's testament to him that he's come back and he's he's been such a regular um, this season ish. You know, coming on coming on um, off off the bench and and uh, you know he, he's giving his all. He's giving it all he can and. Um, you know, it's, it's clear that the you know the the injury has affected his speed, and and it would. So um, you know, but he's still a classy, classy professional footballer who can go to another club. It probably will be a, a league league lower, um, and he can become captain there, and they they can build a team around him. Probably being being a midfielder. 
um, and you know he can dictate the game and he can be involved and he can he can use all his enthusiasm. So it'll probably do him the world of good for him and his family to to, to go and get. Um, he needs to be he needs to be number one somewhere and, and he deserves it. So. You know, again, whether that happens this window or, or, or the summer, but yeah, probably I, I have to agree with all, all everyone else. Judgy going would be would be an obvious one, I think. And Clark, I feel sorry for him. I don't think he's done anything wrong at Brentford, but um, the, obviously the people that are picking the team don't don't trust him um, for whatever reasons. And you know, again, he's a young player who needs to be playing and. You know, if he can't do it at Brentford, he, he deserves a chance somewhere. So um, it would be good to get him to to, to, to go out. Um, I can't think of anyone else that's a lot, a lot of the players that we've got back in on loan that would go out. I'm not sure they can go anywhere else because you can only play for can only be loaned out once in a season. Is that right? Um, well, you can have two, can only have yeah. So, we played twice. Yeah, two clubs. So uh, so yeah. So you know yeah. the, the Reese Coles and. Uh, um, of, and that ilk, then I think they'll be here for the rest of the season. Again, again not for repetition, but obviously Clarkey speaking to you know speaking to Thomas Frank, and you could you know you could tell where you're trying to say you know how does Clarkey fit into things, and uh, you could you could you could tell that he, he he's obviously not he doesn't fit into it. So if he doesn't fit in, he's taken up a place on the bench, so he's got to go. So I'll be very very surprised if Clarkey is not going out on loan. He'd be a good player for somebody else. He's got good energy. He takes players on. Um, he'd, be, he'd be a good player out there as well. Um, Judgy, we've talked about enough, and you know, listen, great servant for Brentford um, but he needs to be going playing out there as well and playing in a team that will you know re- you know will regularly will, will, will still utilise him and, and, and take him on as well another player obviously is, to, uh, is Tom Field as well because Tom Field's he's a first team player but he's he's you know that left back position that he's just not he's not challenging that left back position at all he's not he's not even on the bench or anything like that so what's going to be going on with with Tom Field does he need to be getting out there again I don't know what the scenario is with him so those are three players I'm sitting I'm, I'm looking out there and I'm thinking to be honest with you that that, that those are situations which we freeing up a little bit for us as well is there anyone probably a little bit more high profile that we might have actually put out on loan which we might do to free up a little bit of space but maybe not um i don't know um what i'll, what I'll also say is that um i was looking back at a couple of records and prepping for this as well um because i was thinking marcus false because everyone was going oh marcus false he's not good enough and i was thinking i was looking back and he actually didn't play that many games the, the one game that he really did play that people remember was that was at blackburn so he played at Blackburn, which he wasn't particularly well, but also the whole Brentford team was rubbish in that game. They were really, really terrible. Then the following game after that, we played Nottingham Forest when we beat them, and he was on the bench. So he's gone on the bench, and after that, he got injured in the, in the international break, and we haven't seen him since. So he's now back, and he's actually now training. So I think it's actually kind of could be quite exciting because he's kind of a fresh player as well. So you've got Marcus Force and also yeah, uh, Mads Sorensen as well. Centre-back. As well, he's now come back. He got injured. You know, we were all so excited about him. He's been on the bench, I think, recently. I think he was on the bench on was it on Saturday? I'm not sure. But yeah, so yeah, for the Norwich game. So he's a player which we got him. He's massive. He's only 18 or 19 years old. And these are two players who are an injection of possible new players into our side because we don't, we still don't know what they can do. So um, the the fans that went to Southend away in the first round of the League Cup, they they saw Marcus Force played there, scored. Um, and you know he scored a cracker, and you know, and I mean to be honest with you, you know we have to we have to remember if if the people that are making the decisions thought he was good enough to be in the first team, their record is pretty good, you know. So I, I you know it, it's been it's been frustrating for him that just when he 
just when he had his chance, he got injured, and that's happened to a lot of our players um, this season. Where we, you know, we, you know, look at um, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, Marcondes. Sorry, yeah, he's good. you know, just just when he seems to be fit, something else happens to him. So um, you know, yeah, force forces. You know, is someone that we need to see more of before we make a decision. You know, we, 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 there's no way that we've, we, we are equipped to judge him um, as it stands at the moment. And, you know, I just, again, I, I have got faith in, in those that are, you know, doing the recruiting because there's, there's precious, precious few mistakes the last few years. And, and, and talking about just players coming through as well, we've got Jackie, oh, we've got two centre midfielders as well because we're talking about centre mid, but we've got two mid, centre midfielders, Jackie Okenson and also Jan Zamburek as well in the B team as well. Not quite theirs yet, but we might be talking about a year or so before they're coming through, but very, very exciting prospects from what I can gather, those two guys. So let's see how they come through. But also Shaibu, who had a really slow start when he went out on loan, went to a couple of places, went to Walsall, and I think he went somewhere else and wasn't really doing the business, but now he's gone down to Borenwood and he's scoring some goals down there. So as long as your players are doing what they're meant to be doing, Shaibu's scoring goals. So let's see what he comes up with in the second half of the season, because he might be able to add something to us in the, in the, in the summer as well. And and just talking about B teams as well, the B team played Willstone yesterday. They beat them 2 0 in the Middlesex Cup as well. Joe Hardy scored a couple of goals. We scored three goals, but one of them was in his hand and he put his hand up and said, you know, when the referee asked him, he said, Did you hand ball that? He went, uh, Yes, I did actually. So that was struck off. But uh, we beat him 2 0. So Joe Hardy um, scored in that game as well. And everyone keeps talking about Joe Hardy. He should be in the first team squad. I've not seen him play enough to know, but. Um, um, the B team are playing Wingate and Finchley, which is fairly near to me next week. So I'll probably have to go down there and take a little peep and see what's going on. But he doesn't seem to be quite in the first team frame as well. But we've still got another six or eight months to go. So it's all quite exciting down there. But listen, we've talked enough about transfer. We've got another three weeks of this window to go. And uh, by the time this podcast next week, we never know. We'll probably have a couple of players that have departed the club, which we can talk about. A couple of players out on loan. And maybe we might have had a player or two which has been signed in. We shall see. Um, normally it takes longer for these players to leave to be honest with you it's like the last few days of the window when somebody comes in and nabs these players off of you you know so uh, but yeah because they're obviously trying to play the field and see who else is going to to do the business but look we've got more things to talk about on this podcast after this twang so Saturday we've got a big game coming up with Stoke City coming down to Griffin Park for the first time in quite a few years it's got to be said in the league I think it's probably the sort of 90s if I remember rightly I remember going up to Stoke in the 90s um, yeah it was quite a lot of fun actually the Victoria ground at the time. I know we went to the new stadium as well so yeah so it was then we went to Stoke it was once that we played them when they were in that's right the 2002 2001 2002 that's the last time that we played Stoke City um, Griffin Park and since then this is the first time so Stoke have come down of course they've sold out the relocation if you check besotted.com on Friday there's going to be a pub a guide loads of pubs in Brentford you can go to all of them you know you can there's no bounces on the door none of that nonsense like when we get to Stoke you're not invited anywhere you can't go inside anywhere you're not very welcoming I have to say of away fans but we're very welcoming as long as you've got manners you don't take the piss when you come there just come inside there you can wear your colours don't start singing and jumping up and down all that nonsense you know what I'm saying just come here and have a laugh have a drink with the Beast fans we're all good you know what I'm saying but Stoke City we thought we were going to find out a little bit of information on Stoke City because we need to be updated because there's all sorts of activity have gone on down there, especially in the past couple of days. We're speaking to Dave. 
from Wizards of Drivel, the podcast. He's going to be giving us his five from the hive. Five from the hive. Stoke City. Hi, I'm David Cowlishaw from the Wizards of Drivel podcast. I've been a Stoke City season ticket holder for about 15 years now. And I also co-present the Who Are You podcast, who did a documentary on Brentford earlier in the season. It's the end of the road for Gary Rowett. To be fair, he was never a favourite down at Griffin Park, whilst manager of Birmingham City and Derby County. He always shot up shop in his football just wasn't the prettiest. But what went wrong in his short time at Stoke City? Gary Rowett, yeah, I can't say we weren't warned in terms of how he approaches football. Admittedly, when we first appointed Gary Rowett at the start of the season, I was very excited. He'd earned a very good reputation from Birmingham, Derby and Burton Albion. But for a variety of reasons... Not entirely his own making, I must say. It, it went wrong for him. I think uh, what the Stoke fans objected to mainly were the results, which, compared to our pre-season hope of automatic promotion, were so far beyond where we wanted to be. We're 14th, having been Bucky's favourites at the start of the season. But combine that with a turgid approach to football, even games we won at home, I came away thinking... God, that was a real slog to watch for the players we have in the squad, uh, for the players he'd left out the squad even. This was not something that we had hoped for from a on-paper, ambitious, dynamic young manager. Uh, and also add to that his chipperness in interviews. He One remark which rings in the ears of Stoke fan is... Uh, a remark he made about Bojan saying, oh, he was good two or three years ago, why didn't I play Rory Delap kind of thing. And to, to be that arrogant and that chipper, having not delivered either performances or results, I think it was only going to end one way for him. Uh, the only game where we had any kind of hope that Gary Rowett had turned things around was Derby uh, in a midweek game earlier in the in the season and we were fantastic every man looked like they would knew what they were doing we looked so much sharper we looked like we had a proper game plan because Stoke fans don't mind being defensive and even a bit route one if we get results but Rowett was neither football nor results uh, but that game was a kind of special circumstance because we were down to 10 men and it was a backs against the wall thing against a local rival who had brought snakes with them to, to throw at Gary Rowett and all the rest of it. So there was a, an edge to that game anyway, which made it a bit of a special circumstance. But all in all, the football has been turgid. But in fairness, his signings have, have been generally OK. Ince is a good player, Ryan Woods you guys know all about a phobe in theory good player he's even managed to get a little bit out of Saido Berahino but at the back we're a bit of a calamity and we're just not creating the chances for a, a team of our calibre all in all it hasn't actually been a terrible season for Stoke okay you're mid-table and you're not going to get relegated Many teams come down from the Premier League and do much worse. 
so surely there must be some upsides to this season. Yeah, like I say, the, the Derby game was the standout moment of the season, but ultimately good games have been very few and far between. There's been uh, an away win at Norwich, which is a fantastic result, but again, that was a similar backs-against-the-wall kind of result. And there was a decent 2-2 draw at Villa Park where we looked like we were starting to create more chances. We were very threatening that day. But ultimately, even even games we've won, like Millwall and Ipswich at home, against terrible sides, we've ground out wins with perhaps our only chance of the game and at times threatened to throw games away. Uh, we drew 0-0 at Bolton, which was, for many fans, uh, uh, the row-it-out moment. We drew 0-0 at Bolton and then the next game, Bolton go and lose 6-0 to Hull. And it's like, OK, I don't expect us to win 6-0 every game, but come on, can we be a bit more creative at Bolton Wanderers? Uh, in terms of the, the players who've performed well, you're looking at Woods, uh, although he's come in for some criticism lately, and uh, Tom Ince. Uh, Saido Berahino slightly, but apart from that, not many players have stood out. The the attacking threat of Benekafobe has been uh, nullified, mainly because we don't get the ball to his feet uh, in the right areas often enough. But there's been so many games like Birmingham away on Boxing Day. We were just completely outclassed. I know Birmingham have been doing okay this season, but to look so far off the pace against not even the very best of the championship was a real, real concern. Interestingly, you have not gone with a conveyor belt manager this time, but I've gone relatively left field. How do you think Nathan Jones will shake things up? Nathan Jones is someone who many Stoke fans will confess to have not heard much about. Um, but the more and more we discover about him, the more and more we really, really like the sound of him. I've just been speaking to some guys uh, for uh, Luton fans and guys from the D3-D4 podcast who just completely rave about him. They say it's a 4-4-2 diamond, it's attacking, uh, it uses the full-backs really well, he, he's implemented a great philosophy there. And given that we don't really expect uh, instant results, to be able to maybe look forward to some exciting attacking brand of football, that just really, really excites us. Um yeah, and it is kind of a surprise for for our board to go for someone left field like Nathan Jones because we've gone through Paul Lambert and Gary Rowett and Tony Pulis and Mark Hughes, managers who are very much of that merry-go-round type. So uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to. This season, I think we've got to give them time. I don't think we can expect promotion or even a playoff berth really although that would be a tremendous achievement if we managed to to climb up into sixth uh, the the in terms of the players it'll be interesting to see what if any business we do in January I think Jones will look at the squad and and see that it's a, a squad that should be performing better better than it is um, so whether players stay or go will be interesting there's questions over whether Bojan has a future now uh, he was very much frozen out under Gary Rowett, but uh, Nathan Jones speaks Spanish, by the way, so oh, you never know. There might be a future for Bojan, and the other uh, man who's been frozen out for Stoke is Moritz Bauer, an attacking fullback. So, again, you, you hope that uh, these two guys who do have genuine quality, you do hope there is a, 
a future for them. But there are players still to be gotten rid of. There's players out on loan in various parts of Europe who need to be sold for the, the sake of the wage bill. And Charlie Adam, for example, needs to be moved on sharpish. He's, n- he's mainly just a, a pundit on Five Live these days. Likewise, Peter Crouch... Uh, yeah, he's, he scored against Shrewsbury in the Cup, but he's a podcaster. Darren Fletcher's, uh, he's just, he can barely walk now. Uh, so there's a lot of hangers-on around the club that we do need to, to shift, particularly in the midfield area where we are severely overstocked. And um, I don't expect wholesale changes in January, but I'm hoping that we can maybe just lighten the load and have that clean break from from the past that we that we need. Ryan Woods left Brentford for Stoke in a dodgy loan deal after the transfer window had closed. We'll put our hands up and say that his vision, leadership and ability to switch matches up has been missed massively at Griffin Park. The word on the street is he was becoming a bit of a bit player with Gary Wright. What's going on with Woodsy? Ryan Woods has been a tremendous player. Uh, I think when when we first signed him, he, the impact was instantaneous because you you saw the purpose Gary Rowett had bought him for. He was calm on the ball. He had a fantastic eye for the pass. He was a, a real leader on the pitch. And a lot of people have criticised our club captain Ryan Shawcross for not being that vocal on the pitch. But, but Woods has, has that in spades. He's got a local connection as well, which is really nice. But as I alluded to earlier, there have been some, some murmurings of discontent around Woods lately. And I think that's coincided with the murmurings of discontent about Rowett. I think a lot of people want to see Woods further up the pitch, where his passing can have more of a direct influence on, on creating chances for us. I don't necessarily believe that I think I'm more than happy to see Ryan Woods at the base of the field dictating play receiving the ball from the centre backs and then uh, you know orchestrating things like that Um, he's essential to us I think right now and I really hope that uh, there is a, a place for him under under Nathan Jones because I think he's our best midfielder that's including the, the famous Joe Allen and Sam Klukas. I, I've got nothing but uh, love for Ryan Woods and you guys, when, when we brought him off, you, you guys were spot on about what a fantastic uh, player he is. Um, and yeah, I've got a real hopes for his future. And again, the criticism is, I don't think it's really criticism directed at Woods. I think it's, Rowett's criticism masquerading as criticism for Woods. I think uh, if if Rowett was getting better results, you you wouldn't hear a, a, a peep about uh, Ryan Woods. Brentford played Stoke at the very start of the season. City were league champions elect at the time, and Brentford were getting good plaudits from the punters. The football we played that day was pretty impressive and we were only one silly defensive mistake away from winning our first away match of the season. Five months later, we've spiralled downwards somewhat. What are you expecting on Saturday? Give us a score prediction. Well, I I wasn't looking forward to this game before Nathan Jones was appointed, I can certainly say that. 
you guys have uh, disappointed given how good you looked at our pace earlier in the season I think you, you caught a lot of our maybe arrogant entitled Premier League fans uh, cold really because having had a bit of a, a shock at Leeds at the start of the season we were hoping that Brentford yeah we understand Dean Smith plays some good football and you you, you had uh, you know, flirtations with the playoffs in the past that okay but Stoke should be rolling over Brentford and it, it's really it was really galling for a lot of fans to, to watch us be played off the park essentially it was a the jammiest goal of all time that we scored and we thoroughly did not deserve to to draw that game but like you said you, you've you've struggled a bit I think obviously Dean Smith leaving is going to be a massive part of that uh, but I th- whether we can come away with something in James's first game I, it's honestly I, you could flip a coin or flip a three-sided coin if you include draws uh, hopefully the bounce of a new manager will play a part in just giving these guys a rocket up the arse because I think comparing the teams we should be looking to beat you guys but this is Stoke City and you never know so uh, I'm going to go for a cautious one all draw right now a jammy benicophobic old place So yes, that's Dave from the Wizards of Drivel podcast, giving his fire from the hive. And, you know, it's a new era for Stoke City there. You know, he's giving you the downsides of this season, but, you know, probably a few upsides. And, you know, Ryan Woods is on his way back to Griffin Park for the first time since he decided to leave us. Now, uh, listen, we, like I said to you, put my hand up and say, listen, lot around the table there, so we miss Ryan Woods. As a player this season, if if something, if Ryan Woods was in the side, um, our season may have been a lot better. It's not all about one player, we know, but you know, having a player to be able to switch things up, switch the game up, you know, pass the ball, you know, give that energy, and he'd probably actually be captain as well because we are lacking a captain. And and you know, with Ryan Woods being inside there, being a captain, you probably you probably didn't realise at the time how much he might have brought to our game. And again, this is no disrespect to Stoke City, but he's got the Stoke big money, big manager, everything like that. And obviously his journey to Stoke hasn't quite gone the same as what he's expected to be. So for him to have stayed at Brentford for another six months or even another year probably would not have made that much difference to him. And he might have actually given us a little bit more impact and get us up the table. But that's gone now. We'll talk about that. Stoke City. Gary Rowett is gone. Nathan Jones is in. The new manager bounce. Are you nervous, Ali Malali? Difficult one, isn't it, really? I think Stoke have really been in the doldrums. I don't know. We didn't have a new manager bounce, did we? I, I think new manager bounce is frequently overrated, especially first game. Might be second or third game. Hasn't really got any time in two or three days to have that much of an influence. Yes, the players want to impress. But I think you've got... At Stoke, you've got quite a few Premier League, ex-Premier League players, wage players who are big wages who maybe aren't going to be making quite as much of an effort as they might do. I'm actually more worried about Woodsy coming back than anything else. Um, I think he still has the potential to uh, change a game up and I don't think we're particularly well suited to deal with a, somebody who could change 
the way a game's moving as quickly as would as was always capable of for us. It depends where he's played, of course. If he's played as deep as Stoke has apparently been playing him, maybe not. If he's played where we used to play him, I think it could be very interesting. Listen, Chair, I mean, listen... <laughs> I mean, we're all trying to focus on Woodsy, but they've got quite a few other, you know, half-decent players as well. I mean, Benicophobia, I know the, a lot of the Stoke fans are moaning about him, though, you know what I'm saying? Um, there's a lot of moaning going on about a lot of their players, but they've got some quality. They've spent some proper big money, and these players are on wages of, like, what, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, probably 100 grand plus a week, which we, we can't even go anywhere near that. So there is... This is a, a big side. So you can imagine, you can understand why the Stoke City fans are not epic on you. Yeah, I can. But I can also... I mean, what were they expecting? Hiring Gary Rowett. Ask any Derby fan, ask any Birmingham fan. They would have told you a couple of sentences what kind of football you were going to get. In terms of what Nathan Jones can do, um, he's probably the manager I would have wanted if Thomas Frank wasn't going to be. Amazing job at Luton. Uh, they're what, second in the league, just behind big spending Portsmouth. Ahead of big spending Sunderland, so did a really good job there. Um, done... And he deserves his place at Stoke. New manager bounce, probably a bit too early. But if you look at what Solskjaer did after Mourinho left and the players at United were playing, they were reborn, maybe these Stoke players who've been shackled in a rigid system for so long can start playing football again. Afobi, I've always rated him when he was at Wolves, before when he was at MK Dons. Didn't get a chance at Bournemouth. Okay, maybe he's underperformed a lot at Stoke, but still a dangerous player. And if he's got a bit of confidence, if Jones has got in his ear and told him what to do and given him, a, I don't know how much he could do in a training session, but if he's done something, then maybe he can, uh, he can get him back. Just, co- just coming to the point you made about Solskjaer, difference is Solskjaer knew the Premier, Premier League. Yeah, yeah. He knew the club. Nathan Jones doesn't know the championship and he doesn't know the club and he's going to need time to, to get up to speed himself. So I don't think it's going to, touch wood, going <laughs> to be quite, shall we say, the Solskjaer effect. Listen, uh, Laney, it's, it's interesting because obviously, like I said, this Nathan Jones has come in and he was a name, actually, that was banded around. When um, Dean Smith had left to go to Aston Villa and we had a gulf of, what, two or a couple of, couple of weeks, maybe, when we had no manager and people are banding names around, a lot of people go, I'd love Nathan Jones, I'd love Nathan Jones. Uh, whether or not he got interviewed for the job or not, again, we don't know. They keep these things close to their chest, but... He's now popped up at Stoke, so he was quite happy to join a, a, a championship team. We now have a situation where we've got Nathan Jones, who potentially could have been Brentford manager, versus Thomas Frank, who is the Brentford manager. So, in a strange way, there's a bit of pressure on Thomas Frank because, uh, you know, Nathan Jones coming in on one day and, boom, turning things around. People are going, oh, hold on a second, what's going on here? Yeah, it's, it is interesting. Um, he was mentioned. Um, you can you can understand why he's you know building a really good reputation for himself. So um, you know he's, he's one of the he's in the next crop of you know young young things. Um, I think Ali's right. I don't. I don't. I think it's he needs to to learn a little bit about the squad. Um, what kind the players that the players that he's got now that can fit into the way he he plays football so that's going to take quite a few training sessions I would imagine I imagine he'll he'll keep things similar to how they were he won't come in and expect them to you know play a completely different style overnight I wouldn't imagine <clears throat> so um, and as, as well he, he may just sit in the stand and 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 let let the you know the, Whoever was caretaker, Rory Delap looks Rory. like it's going to be. Maybe, maybe, maybe Rory Delap. Lots of long throws and stuff. Yeah. Well, they got they got Crouchy up the top, so you know. Um, 
let's not us not, let's not forget Pete Crouch likes scoring against us so um, you know. and, and Dave was quite disparaging of the players sort of saying they've got other things going on like Crouch he goes he, did, he didn't even sort of call him a striker. He said he's a podcaster at the moment now. So it's almost like he's a podcaster who sort of decides to sort of trot onto the football pitch every now and again. I never trust podcasters. They're all blooming <laughs> self, self-obsessed freaks. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you're right. They, they've got threats everywhere. You know, they are, they're, they're, a, they're a very good, very good team with very good players who are massively underperforming. So... You know, on their day, they they set up right. Um, they they could do a job on us. They could do a job on anyone. I think Rowett's sort of uh, taken any kind of um, kind of like free flowing expression expression out of them, and uh, he, he he put them back sort of a season or two. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that it's it's too early for Nathan Jones to work any kind of magic and Brentford get Stoke the Stoke that we've seen all season. Um, Woodsy coming back, he'll get a good reception. Um, he hasn't got a shot on him. I did say off Mike that you know one thing we do know about Woodsy, he may get a lot of the ball, but he's got an awful shot and he won't score. So put put five quid on him scoring against us. I think I think we're good. I think we're, we we've got enough. I think we I think we'll at least we'll get a point at least. You get a point at least. And listen, we're going to go around and get a small prediction. Also, if you check out the um, um Ian Westbrook, every week he does a uh, pub guide, as we say, but also he does a, a preview. And he's going to do a preview of the Stoke game. And we've got quite a few of the, the crew here that actually put their small predictions in. So it's actually in writing now, because what we do is we normally have a score prediction and everyone forgets it. But now we're going to talk about what everyone's going to say here as well. But also check it on besotted.com. Ali, what do you reckon? Score prediction. One, one. Malpay scores first half. Woodsby last minute equaliser. Oh, Mootsy, well, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm blaming Dave. Jem. I'm going to say 2-1 Brentford win. Uh, I can never, ever predict a loss, so I never do that. Morpai double, player in form, striker in form, and a phobie uh, from a corner for them. Elaine. Going, I'm going 2-2. Um, Morpai... Morpay double, yeah, why not? Um, no one else is going to score for us. Morpay Morpay double, or maybe a Barbe header, or I don't know. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go for Morpay double, and I'll go for Crouch. Crouch and a phobie to score against us. I'm going to go two 0 Brentford. Actually, look, this is the new Thomas Frank defensive tightness is going on there as well Malpay listen Malpay and Ben Rama is what I'm going to go and say there as well so listen I'm, I'm, listen listen. New Year New Chair 2019 is what I'm feeling listen this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast I keep on mentioning there as well if you listen to the Five in the Hive as well do you, I don't know if you check the music you probably don't know what the music for that is in the background just given the vibes behind that it's actually Flight of the Bumblebee by Rimsky Korsakoff so there you know, going give, give, give a little bit of culture as well and throwing a little bit of bees in there, but you know, but anyway, irrelevant to that. Besotted Pride of West London podcast, we're here in the plough in Northfield, so they've taken absolutely great care of us as well. And the, even the barman, Joe. Yeah, I had a, I had a chat with Joe, I was just getting there, getting my um my brew dog nanny <laughs> state. Which is... Did Jojo ever go? Joe was saying, Ah, oh, you, you you the besotted lads are doing a podcast. I went, Yep. I said he said, Oh yeah, I listen listen most weeks. Um, and I, I explained, and I said, Joe, Joe is a bit of a name check, so thank you for serving us tonight. Very good. They've taken very good care of us tonight as well. If you ever come down there on the way to the game, just come out the station, turn left, first pub inside there. All the Stoke fans are probably about 3,000 of them in the pub. We're on Saturday as well. And every time I'll come here, I will say it again, this pub was used as a changing room for Brentford before, way before Griffin Park days, 
back in the 1800s, Brentford played at Ben's Field, which was right behind this pub, and this was a changing, changing room ground, a changing room pub. So, if anyone wants to pop down here, um, um, you can bore someone else with that fact. <laughs> That's right. So, listen, check us out, radio show Monday, uh, Love Sport Radio, nine till ten o'clock again every Monday. Pride of West London, Pride of West. London as well you can check all our podcasts all our audio in there besotted.com you can check all our stuff out on there as well I'm very excited because on Saturday new year new cheer trust me Stoke City are going to be coming down they're a bit nervous Brentford Griffin Park it's going to be buzzing and we're going to get the points as we sign come on come on lads not fake bees not fake bees forget them fake bees trust me The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.